WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dane Grote. This week, our guests are James Maddox and Gavin Smith, the creative team behind Dead Legends, a new mini series from a wave blue world. It's a revenge tale set at a fighting tournament full of colorful characters just itching to roundhouse their way to the top. Uh, we talk about the book and its influences, favorite martial arts movies and fighting games, the new Tool album, dogs named after Wally West, and uh, all other kinds of great stuff. Uh, meanwhile, what is going on over at WMQComics.com? Uh, we just had a bunch of fun at CapeCon over the weekend. Matt Lazowitz and I talked with the uh, librarians at the Cape May County Library about how they stock and maintain their graphic novel selection, uh, which you'll hear on the podcast very soon. Uh, and we hosted Geek Trivia, which was super fun. Uh, they gave us a bowl with uh, all these questions, and we learned that kids don't know anything about Buffy the Vampire Slayer anymore, but they still love the Harry Potter. Uh, so big thanks to Olivia, Cara, and uh, everyone over at the library for having us, and a big shout-out to Harry Jackson from the Hailing Frequencies Star Trek podcast, who recorded a segment with Matt live at the show. Uh, also this past weekend, uh, I'm going to tease this now because I'm super excited about it, uh, we recorded next week's WMQ&A already, and it's a Three Amigos episode! Uh, we brought Rob Lynch back to talk about our favorite PSA comics, uh, you know, anti-smoking, anti-drug. Uh, you know, a very special episode of that sort of thing. Uh, and we even recorded a PSA of our own. Uh, it's the first time we ever did a bit for the show, and uh, I can't wait for everyone to hear it next week. Speaking of next week, uh, I cannot believe it's almost here, but uh, I'm going to be at New York Comic Con, Friday only, wandering the floor, interviewing creators, uh, hitting up panels, catching up with friends, doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, so if you're there, you want to meet up, uh, let me know. I would love to say hi. But enough solo gum flapping. Let's get to some group gum flapping. Here are me and Matt and James and Gavin. Uh, so, so James, uh, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, kind of an icebreaker question. I, I haven't gotten to listen to the new Tool album yet, but I saw your review on Twitter, and uh, <laughs> man, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's one of those things where you you hope you don't build it up too much in your head, and that's why it was a letdown. But I don't know. It it feels like it was just stuff that they had left on the cutting room floor and went back into the studio and, and just kind of like thrust it into an album. Uh, well, James, if it makes you feel any better, I always thought it was going to be a letdown. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just not a cool fan. That's just me. So. Fair enough. Not, I mean, it's a fucking like the band is amazing. They've done amazing things. They just oh sure yeah. I just I don't know. Like I said, I I thought it was going to be good, and then I saw that they released their digital catalog out, and I was very skeptical from that point on. And I listened to it, and I was like, oh well, this is just a big advertisement. Cool. <laughs> but they made a lot of money. You, you you heard this this you saw the stink of corporate synergy uh, at at play. Uh, yeah. that's how I felt about. I don't know if you guys listened to Refused or at the drive-in, but that's kind of how I felt about. Well, yeah, that, that, at the drive-in. Wait, wait, like, did at uh, the drive-in get back together? Yeah, yeah. same time as Refused. It did. was not. It was not anything that should be listened to. Uh, well, right. I mean, those and, later and, Mars Volta albums also were. <laughs> impenetrable so but like oh man but like mars volta is still like i like i was actually listening to mars volta today like i i can still get down to that um but like yeah like i, I kind of gave up on the the newer mars volta but um yeah it was really funny when uh 
uh, Refused got back together because they were this anti-capitalistic punk band. Mm-hmm. And then it just seems they got back together to put out a new album for a money grab. And I was like, this doesn't add up and kind of ruins my image of what that band used to be. But yeah. Have either of you guys read uh, Jeff Rugby and Moritat's Gunning for Hits? Uh-uh. Yeah, give it a shot sometime. I think a trade with all six issues should be out. It's a crime noir type thing set within the record industry, and yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's basically a treatise on how the music industry eats artists alive. So. Okay. Nice. I can get into that. No, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was a good series. Um, but uh, getting getting into uh, the comic side of things, what uh, what book comics do you guys remember reading when you first got into the medium? Uh, I was reading a lot of Bendis. I haven't been in the medium like I, I used to read X Men mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid, and I used to read Punisher when I was a kid, and then the X Men did the uh, shit. What was that? The um, I forget it. It was it was. It was one of the the '90s horrible failures in in X Men history, and I don't know. Like, are you referring to the, the cartoon like or one of the crossovers? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the. Uh, I wish I could remember um, what that run was. I had it on the tip of my tongue, but I've been drinking, so. Yeah. All good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so when I for everything, James. <laughs> When I jumped back into comics, mm-hmm. uh, I started reading like all of Bendis's image work, like Fire and Torso and Goldfish, and uh, I picked up The Sandman. I picked up uh, Transmetropolitan. Like I just started going through the things that weren't, you know, tights and flights kind of material, and then from there I found a deep appreciation for uh, just comics in general so that when I did go back to that material, um, I kind of knew where the roots were and could kind of see how they had influenced um, a lot of my indie stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, I, uh, I grew up uh, like kind of almost like a Fairweather comic book fan like it would be like whenever my dad would take me to like a bookstore on the way home from like, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas at grandma's house, we'd stop in like Barnes and Noble or a borders and I'd be in the graphic novel section. And then, uh, then I just got hooked eventually. But I remember reading kingdom come and, uh, like I would go back and I'd, I'd read all of crisis on infinite earths, like in a borders one time. Um, uh, but uh, uh, then I started like picking things up, and I got really into the satellite era Justice League. Um, and then when Morrison's JLA hit, that's what got me collecting on the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always been a big influence on me. And Mark Wade's Flash Run as well. And yeah. <laughs> we, we were just talking about Mark Wade's Flash Run, uh, Matt and I, the other day, just because, yeah. you know, uh, Wally West, uh, obviously, you know, Matt growing up in that time period that that was his his flash and uh he's kind of oh, he's kind of been done dirty the last few years oh my gosh yeah, yeah just, my just... dog's name is Wally after Wally oh, oh wow so, yeah. oh that's great yeah. that's how that's how big of a Wally fan I am one of my dogs but yeah, yeah. I mean he he quickly became one of my 
top ten, if not top five, superhero comic book characters, and now, I mean, oh yeah, they just I don't even know what's going on with them anymore. Did like, did did Heroes in Crisis even finish? Oh, it did. Okay, it, it did. He's got a new miniseries starting this week. So I'm going to be my, my weekly column of, hey, here's stuff related to a comic coming out this week is going to be a Wally West column because oh, okay. I, I love Wally West and uh, oh, Wally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Homeboy needs a W. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but but you guys got uh, you guys have a series coming out uh, in October yeah. from a Wave Blue World Dead Legends. Uh, you know, let's 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 talk about that a little bit. You know, what's kind of sure. the elevator pitch for this series? <laughs> James, hey, um, I'm really, I'm really not good at the elevator pitch. Uh, <laughs> the, usually, the, the, how about the middle usually... length car ride pitch? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. See, that's, um, that's fine. We got time. Essentially, we're, we've got a revenge story that is heavily like put into the kind of martial arts throwback style. Um, but I guess, I guess the elevator pitch, pitch would be like. Uh, a widow, not, 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 can't do it. Gavin, you want to try it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a widow enters a martial arts tournament to get revenge against the guy who kills her husband. But she can't just straight up kill the guy. She has to run the brackets to get to him. Um, and uh, during the course, she's going to have to go through all these other fighters that have entered the tournament that have agendas of their own. Um, we find out that one of the world's most deadly assassins has entered the tournament and uh, also the guy, uh, Blind Tiger, who killed Yan, our main character's husband, uh, is in the tournament for his own reasons. So uh, a lot of uh, ins and outs this series. And we've got a thread going on with the champion uh, who's been there for 15 years. And he's kind of throwing uh, a wrench into the tournament as well. That's the, that's the best I can do without overspoiling everything. This, this tournament that we've set up so many like so much history and so many rules, and nobody's following the rules. You know, mm-hmm. like it's 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 a lot of fun to deal with characters that have like all different agendas and come from different walks of life. Um, and the tournament's just a, a a main reason to kind of bring them all together. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it's. It's been a lot of fun. Like my main thrust for the story, I know Gavin kind of had his his uh, machinations going when when we started talking about getting this thing to go. But my my character development for everybody that was going through is what like locked me in because I saw the abilities for like a lot of really messed up things to happen with a lot of like some of them are very well meaning people, but some of them are just out for number one. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, we uh, we we took a peek at the first issue. It, you know, that that definitely uh, plays out, and there's a lot of uh, colorful characters. Uh, one review that I saw uh, on Twitter that I very much liked was from uh, past guest friend of the show, Leona Kangas, uh, who wrote rated R yes. for all these rat as fuck tens all about to murder each other, <laughs> uh, and and M for the most intricately drawn martial arts I've seen in a comic in a while. Uh, this is this is a review you can trust. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> Um, how long has this idea been, uh, this project been percolating with you guys? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a couple of years now. Gavin and I had worked on a number of different things. 
and we had was it the horror pitch that we had tried out for and just well, didn't it's, get it, much yeah there, there's kind of a couple of things that led up to this like yeah. uh, we it, I feel like to... it it, it all came down to like a question and that question was like if you could do anything what kind of story would you like to do right yeah mm-hmm. like well we, we had started we were working together but kind of through uh, the medium of an, another creator um originally mm-hmm. uh, long story short on that is like we had both been offered to do a short story in this book with different people me with a different writer and james with a different artist and uh it was a higher profile book and then the book never came through but while we were mm-hmm. waiting on that to go through we put together a pitch that was james myself and this other creator that ultimately nothing happened with and it was this cool horror story and we decided, you know, like, let's, yeah, we, we were at a convention together in Louisville and James and I were in my hotel room and I was doing commissions and he's just sort of like, well, if you could do anything, what would you want to do? And I wanted to do this badass martial arts revenge story. And uh, I just needed, I, I had a little bit of an idea, but I needed James to help me make sense of it all. And I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well done. Um, how how far into uh, you know writing and drawing everything uh, are you guys? Uh, all five issues are drawn. Awesome. Yeah. And then I'm coloring issue three like right now, like as we're talking. Ryan so. turned letters for five, so we're basically yeah just waiting on the colors and we're we're done. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I I think I'm on page I'm finishing up page three right now of the colors, mm. um, and then yeah, like I I should be done coloring issue three this weekend, and then James and I are both going to be in Cincinnati. Are you going to Cincinnati, James? I think you are. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm gonna. Have okay. to, I just I just had a uh, well, my wife and I just had a a little boy. Congratulations. So that's, that's, that's been that's been thro- he's been throwing a wrench in a lot of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> As, as well, new boards tend to do. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was planning to have this uh, issue colored by the time I head to Cincinnati. And then uh, issue four will be colored by the time we both go to New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. Which is where the debuts. Yeah. It's uh, it's coming out party, so to speak. It's, de- it's a debutante ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do declare. Yeah. And it, it's good timing, too, because Wave Blue World, uh, we, we, we've both been associated with them for uh, some time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were originally throwing a Kickstarter for this book. And then uh, we were in the middle of the Kickstarter. And we were at uh, New York Comic Con last year, and Tyler... Uh, who's the president of Wave Blue World? Came up to us and we all—he he was super interested in the book. And we were like, "Do you just want to put this out? Because we we're just going to Kickstarter, self-publish it." <laughs> and then he was like, "Yeah," uh, and we canceled the Kickstarter right then and there, which was a blessing because it saved me like so much time on getting like the the work done. Like if if we'd gone through with the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, we we said the book was due in May. And I'm still coloring, so I would have missed all my deadlines. It it could be worse. I have one Kickstarter that is three years late and counting. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, but I don't like that. 
Yeah, I happen to I know one of the people involved, and they had a major family thing, so it it threw off threw them off by a, oh quite a while. But it was like, yeah. oh, I just want my damn book. Right, right. It it happens. Yeah. Um, it's been really good uh, working with you know Joe, who's our our editor. He is Joe Illich is like he's been so. When I talk about revisiting uh, the mainstream comics again, like again, my my background is mainly in, in indie comics, um, and I was doing some things in Dead Legends that Joe was recognizing from things that he had read because he's very well versed in the big two. Yeah, and had well, he he like to go be back. a Batman editor too. So yep. Yeah. So like he had me go back and read a bunch of Daredevil. Um, and like pay attention to certain caption work that Frank Miller had done. Uh, and, and it did, it translated, it, it was, a, it was a good education. So yes. like having that back in, you know, my life is kind of a blessing and a curse. Cause now I found myself buying up, uh, you know, big two titles again, which that's fun losing money. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But but it's also it's it, I don't know it's it's like a new world that's always kind of been there and I knew it was always there it, I just needed somebody to be like hey pay attention to this this and this to get me like as the gateway you know absolutely I mean that that is that is the benefit of working with an editor with that kind of of history in the business right yeah. and like Lisa's been killing it on the promotion like the overall experience with them has been fantastic but it. I like the the thing that I like the most about it is that I feel like it strengthened what we had originally set out to accomplish with Dead Legends. Um, like I feel that we had like a really firm grasp on on the essence of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it, I I don't know. Like I'm I'm excited to see it out there and like have people react to it because like there there would be like certain you know things that I would put out into the world and I'd be like kind of hesitant to see what the review is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that legends, like I'm, I'm confident that it, it's a, it's a well-told story. It looks beautiful. And you know, it's, it's something that I actively am pushing into people's hands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's great that you're ready for it to be out in the world like that. Um, one thing that wave blue world is doing, uh, you know, with the, with this book and with, uh, one other, uh, mezzo they're, they're printing the first issue and then giving the readers the option either to keep reading the series online or, or pick up the trade. Uh, you know, what, what did you guys think when they first kind of broached this idea to you? Um, uh, yeah, we, I, I was all about it because it, it makes sense, especially for an independent company like way blue world. Um, you know, and I, I've worked for a lot of independent companies and, uh, my main, series that I've been working on before this is the accelerators and um, and they do put out single issues of every uh, book that we put out but I mean that cost adds up and the thing that sells the best is always the number one issue whenever we do a, a mini series that we do it in uh, mini series arcs mm-hmm. um, so the number one issue always sells well and the trade always sells really well but you know numbers deplete uh, after the first issue so you know, if a shop's ordering five of issue one, they're going to order three of two and then one of three, and then they might not even order four and five. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think this helps out comic shops uh, in keeping 
readers interested with a new number one with no backstory they have to buy into uh and if fans like it the great thing is the order code is going to be in the first issue for the trade so they can decide right then and there at the comic shop if they want to put it in order with their retailer to get the get the whole book and uh you know and then every issue is coming out uh two weeks digitally on comiXology and amazon whatever Mm -hmm. uh so, so it comes out super quick, so it doesn't give people time to forget, uh, right. which is nice. Because I mean, I can pick up, uh, you know, something I'm reading monthly right now. I don't know, uh, like Flash. Like you know, like if it takes a month for that to come out, then I kind of forget what happened in the month because I've been reading so many other comics mm-hmm. in the meantime. Yeah, it's always the the first issue is is the tester, right? To see if you like what it looks like, how it reads, all that. And then, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people pick up that first issue, like it a lot, and then wait for the trade. Right. Or maybe they get into it and they don't go back to their comic shop and, you know, pick up from their pull list, and by the time they get back there, the trade's ready to go. Um, I don't know. It's... It, for me, I, I like the idea of having like that test first issue for people to try it out, and then automatically jumping into the trade. Um, it just it makes sense for for an indie story. Yeah, and, and the way we've structured the book too is it. Uh, well, we were already before we went with Wave Blue World, we were already writing and drawing it in a way that would structure in a serialized format if a publisher wanted to put it out that way. So it reads great as a full graphic novel straight through, but it also reads as a issue-by-issue basis, too. So people that are following every other week on Comicology is uh, coming in, and they don't have to flip back too much, Mm -hmm. you know, if they want to remember what's going on. That makes sense. I mean, one of the questions I was going to ask is, is if this, you know, distribution setup, did it, you know, change how you guys structured the, the series at any point? But, you know, considering it's still coming out digitally, you know, there's still that, you know, need to kind of keep each each piece, you know, self-contained. Right. Right. Or is it self-contained kind of story, you know, yes. Yeah, it, it did kind of worry me when we were talking about it because issue four is like completely a silent issue. You know, mm. um, which is really cool, but in the trade, I don't know if that like is going to um, come across with as much impact as it would at, with the issue by issue format. So that makes yeah. me happy that people can still, if they're reading it digitally every other week, and they come to issue four and understand quickly that it's just you know a, a, a silent issue that we still have that we, we, we retain that mm-hmm. um, but you know that, that was that was literally my only concern was that issue yeah um, do you guys do you guys think this is a distribution model we'll start to see you know more of in the future yeah uh, I, I, I mean, imagine it'll be taken up by the majority of indie people honestly yeah and, mm. and there's like a variety of like you know TKO's kind of got their thing where they kind of make it a bingeable series automatically mm-hmm. and uh, I, th- I think you know especially in the climate of you know uh, 
us being able to watch any TV show we want in its entirety. Um, like it's it, it's a good uh, format for today. You know the way we consume media today. Yeah, everything needs to be out as soon as possible to garner like reader attention. Like right now, doing away blue world we're doing it that way uh, i also do a series on webtoon that comes out weekly mm-hmm. so you know and there's not a lot a lot of time between you know friday to friday um so it it causes you to be like more more quick with your work more on the ball but like ultimately it gains readership it's it's that it's that need both to satisfy short attention spans and and uh, instant gratification Right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, kind of getting into the series itself. You know, what what were your brainstorming sessions like for some of these characters? You know, just reading the first issue. You know, there's there's, you know, a lot of of color going around on the edges. You know, some of the other people that are coming up the stairs along with, uh, you know, the main character and and you know one of her chief rivals uh you know i imagine you guys had some fun kind of cooking up a lot of those people on the margins there yeah um like we first got together we had uh four of the main characters uh like we knew who they were Mm -hmm. and it's uh you know we had yan red death blind tiger and damon we we knew who they were there are uh, the glue to the story and then yeah like coming up with, especially come up with the stairs uh, which which I thought was a you know we, we came up with uh, them coming up a mountain mm-hmm. to the tournament rather than going to the island or whatever you know and um, the underground sanctuary or whatever um, you know we, we, we thought of the mountain thing and, and especially like coming up the mountain everyone's got to go up the same way and you know encountering a lot of these uh, faces that we'll see in the tournament. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we, we came up with uh, Stock and Ward, who were a big one. Then uh, James proposed Barbosa, <laughs> uh, who's the first, he's actually like on the second or first page, mm-hmm. I think, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and he, he, he's sort of a guy, he, he uh, is very important in the series but uh it's kind of funny like he, he kind of has like a i think he's the youngest in the tournament too um, yeah and he he's he's a character that like we i don't know that we really had any idea i just kind of kept coming back to him and yeah. the more that i you know started piecing together uh story concepts and and you know the through lines and all that he kept sticking his head in and just being like, Hey, remember me? I got this cool hair. And, <laughs> <laughs> and by the, by the time I had started on the, the fifth issue, like I, I, I could see myself going back and that, that character that was kind of in the background and did something that was tied to the story, but still somewhat innocuous. That's Barbosa, you know? Yeah. But figuring out who the characters were like, was excellent and by the time uh away from the world got a hold of everything uh we had all uh, scripts finished and written 
Yeah. Like we had, we had to do like some minor adjustments cause, uh, and, th- and that's kind of the, the great part about, uh, us working with, uh, Joe and Tyler is when they came on board, you know, James and I had been in the box too long. Uh, cause we, we've been talking about this and we, we know what our end goal is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes we being in the box too long, we didn't step outside of it and really see, um, uh, explain some of the finer details of the story, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where like, you know, it, it could be like a private conversation where, or, you know, we could be talking about, you know, Mark Wade's flash run, for example. And if my wife were in the room with us, she'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is, the conversation isn't inclusive <laughs> at all. So they kind of made us uh, make sense of all that and uh, and make it digestible for someone that didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm a... a big movie buff outside of comics it's probably the you know type of media that i consume the most readily um martial arts movies aren't particularly my genre i mean outside of you know classic bruce lee films and some of those delightfully terrible ones that are real msc3k fodder okay. um, are yeah. either you guys big fans of, of the the martial arts cinema yo well uh <laughs> there's a review that said how much of my history with the martial arts like my my childhood passion for the martial arts industry or like you know genre of 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 movies really bled into dead legends uh and i guess what they didn't understand was that gavin got me into all that he showed up my up at my house uh before we went to heroes con uh what was it two years ago yeah, with like with Enter the Dragon and Bloodsport, and was like, "This is what we're doing," you know, and like, <laughs> I, I, I had, appreciate I had, those two as the yeah. alpha and the omega of your um, martial <laughs> yeah. arts collection, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, like I had watched Kill Bill, I had watched you know some, but sure. it, it wasn't the thing that like was what formed me growing up, and and as I learned how to write a story. Yeah. Um, so really, it was Gavin's passions toward the kung fu uh, storytelling that that really pushed that forward. Um, I just I just like telling a good story with good characters, and those two worlds just kind of slammed into one another. So that being said, Gavin, outside of you know your Enter the Dragon and Bloodsport, do you have favorites? You know some uh-huh. of the. the... Crazy, more obscure stuff. Sure. Like, I mean, I I do like uh, Best of the Best. Uh, Five Deadly Venoms is really good. Um, Like, you know, I'm a big Van Damme nerd. So Lionheart, (laughs) uh, The Quest, which can be a little cheesy, but I do like that movie a lot. Um, And like Bloodsport was like kind of like my main reason for wanting to do this. Like, uh, (laughs) I would watch that movie all the time kickboxer also um and uh not only that like some some fighting video games as well obviously like street fighter mortal Kombat, but streets of rage too oh yeah damn so there's like especially in blind tiger you can kind of see like he's like (laughs) almost modeled after like a street tough that would be 
in Streets of Rage 2. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I'm, I'm kind of bringing in a lot of influences from a lot of different places. Um, but, I, but I always loved, especially loved, like, tournament formats. Um, and, and this, but uh, with Enter the Dragon, there didn't seem to really be, uh, for me, like, a str- very much of a structure to that tournament. Um, so, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> like, it, it, it felt more like Bruce Lee was doing a favor for the government rather than his own personal issues, which which there are personal issues that he has in there. They just really didn't touch on him that hard. Um, it was a little too subtle. And, um, yeah, uh, Bloodsport, there's just there's not really that much motivation other than to win the tournament for Ishidoshi. So, yeah. I, I also kind of get that, you know, eight, not 80s, 90s, fighting movie vibe off of Damon, who I just love oh, yeah. from the, that first panel when he came in. It's like, oh, this guy, th- yeah, I can get behind this guy. Yeah. And, and also, uh, there's also a big part of me that's a pro wrestling fan as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked up on that with the giant title belt. The giant belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The pink but, Ultimate Warrior uh, tank top, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He struck me as a guy that no, that belt well hasn't been part of this tournament before he won, but then he insisted that, on that belt. That's exactly yeah. right, actually. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Damon was gonna be that character that just he know he knew what he wanted and he, by God he was gonna make it happen. Yeah. Uh so we we uh talked a little bit about the fighting video games, uh, obviously Streets of Rage. Uh, I am curious, though, if you're playing Street Fighter, who, who do you main? Who are, who are you playing? Who's your go-to? Ooh. Uh, yeah. I, I do... Uh, I mean, I feel like saying Ryu and Ken is a cop-out because everyone's good with them. I mean, they're uh, classics for a reason. <laughs> right, right. Like, everyone's good with Ryu and Ken, so you can't really say Ryu or Ken. But, uh, like, I was always pretty good with Chun-Li. Um, what else was I good with? Uh, yeah, Chun Li is probably my go-to. Um, Bison's pretty good too. If we're doing two, Bison's cool. Was it um, Balrog? Balrog's good. Yeah, he was a boxer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the thing the thing I love about that is like he was actually. The bite. The boxer was supposed to be named M. Bison because it was supposed to be a riff on Mike Tyson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cross translation is a hell of a thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and what's funny is then you know then Van Damme was in the Street Fighter movie, which I was all about as a kid, um, despite how bad it was. Yeah, but Rawls Julia acted I, acted his ass off in that movie. I was gonna say you you can't go wrong with Rawls Julia, and he he. Yeah. That, that was his dying role. Yeah. That was the last thing he acted in. One of the, it's, you know, every now and then, like stories like that, or Orson Welles' last role being Unicron in the Transformers movie. <laughs> it's like, wow, these, these these legendary actors and their final role is kitsch. It's fascinating. Yeah. Hey, if De Niro goes in a couple months, <laughs> his, oh, his last God. role is going to be Joker. So. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say. I nothing, was gonna nothing say, is on his deathbed. Might be the roast of Alec Baldwin. Yeah. 
But, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I watched that last night. I have some thoughts on it, but... <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but... Uh... Yeah, just fast forward past Adam Carolla. That's all I'm going to say right now. But... Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, just getting back to Street Fighter real quick. I was terrible at, at any kind of, like, button combination moves as a child. Uh, you know, yeah. I was skinny, but yet somehow still ham-fisted. So yeah. my go-tos were E-Honda and Blanca, just because all you had to do was press the one button really fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's an art to E-Honda, though. E-Honda was pretty good. Um, like, even if you don't do the 100-hand punch. Because, I mean, if you get the 100-hand punch... You can just break through that with a fireball. It's easy. True. Yeah. Uh, so you guys uh, have teamed up the four on various projects. You know, you mentioned some pitches that you know maybe didn't work out the way you wanted to, but uh, you also had a story together in the uh, in Wave Blue World's All We Ever Wanted anthology, uh, right? Which Matt backed. Yes, I did. <laughs> cool. But uh, Kickstarter's yep. are my kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, nominated for a Ringo Award. Yeah, too. yeah, that yeah. is that is awesome. Um, but you know, well, uh, having worked together for a while, you know, what is it? What is it that you guys like about working with each other? You know, how do you guys kind of fit together? Oh God! Uh, well, <laughs> we're friends, so that helps. Yeah, that, like, that definitely I, helps. Yeah, like you know, um, I feel like I we think, probably I, met around 2012 or something like that. And like, yeah, yeah like I, I usually do a lot of work for hire mm-hmm. and I don't really get, like I, as an artist, I get asked by every writer if they want to do a pitch together. And usually it's stuff I'm not interested in. James was one of the first people to ask me what I wanted to do, um, which is pretty, pretty special. Um, and took a genuine interest in like I'm, I'm like you know even though it wasn't initially his jam uh i knew he could make something work out of it and like it doesn't feel like uh a chore working with james either we work together very well and he lets me change whatever i want <laughs> <laughs> as long as it doesn't like i i'm i'm a big proponent of making the story stronger and usually more voices that jump into it with a passion will make a story stronger. Um, so, you know, working with Gavin, I think we both have kind of like similar sensibilities into what we think it makes something funny or makes something like poignant. And that's coming through in Dead Legends the way that I really hoped it, that it would. Um, but also, I, I, know, I know Gavin is talented enough. Like, I think it was the first issue I'd like choreographed a fight scene in the script. And, and he turned over those pages and they were not at all what I wrote. Um, which was, which was fine because what he put down, like it flowed better, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it, when you find people that you can work with and trust to, to kind of do their portion of things um and make it makes for good comics it's perfect uh yeah. so you know you guys mentioned you're going to be at new york comic-con uh in a couple of weeks uh you know what's your what's your schedule like you're going to be kind of in our alley the whole time do you have panels or 
Uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm in Artist Alley uh, F20. Um, I'm sitting with uh, a Modern Mythology comic art group. Um, that's uh, like just my art rep. He got us all basically in a line. Um, so I'm at F20. I mean, I'll be there all four days. Uh, I think we have a couple of signings scheduled with Wayflu World. I think on Thursday and Saturday, um, or maybe doing signings for for Dead Legends. We've got a an exclusive cover for New York City. Um, I'm really excited to get my hands on, and I think there'll be there'll there will be signings for the All We Ever Wanted for creators who are there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the the main reason I go to cons anymore is just to kind of walk around and reconnect with people and maybe talk to, you know, editors that might, you know, help me continue to do this writing thing. Um, so that's, that's usually what it all comes down to. I, I tabled a few times. I tabled at C2E2 this year and at Emerald city. And while it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm just, I don't know if I'm just, uh, restless and i can't sit behind the table for an entire weekend um but half the time i'm up and gone so yeah i mean it's a lot it's especially you know four days of it like new york is and i mean for me as an attendee it's definitely a social thing because you know i want to bounce around and go you know to as many tables as possible why you know why shouldn't it be the same for you know everybody else all right Do you guys have any other uh, shows in your future? Or is that it for a little uh, while? Outside of New York, I'm also going to be at Baltimore. Uh, again, just kind of hitting the All We Ever Wanted booth and walking around and talking. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much my year. Yeah. And I probably won't start up again until, uh, what is it, the end of February when C3E2 hits. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm doing Cincinnati Comic Expo this weekend, then New York, and then besides uh, James and I doing some signings uh, for Dead Legends, uh, I'm done because um, I, I, we had two stores that ordered uh, exclusive covers for the first issue. So Comic Book University here in Indianapolis and Inner Geek, uh, which has stores in Huntington and Lexington, and uh, what's the third one? Ashland, um, Ashland, and uh, yeah. So we're uh, we'll be doing signings at those stores uh, at some point. I know we're October sixteenth here in Indianapolis, and to de- be determined on the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the trade comes out December something. I think it's December twelfth, but don't hold me to that. Okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Gavin, you did a pretty uh, uh, process thread the other day uh, on Twitter, kind of showing how you drew the cover to issue number two. And <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, well, uh, one thing it mentioned was you know you're you're kind of laid out your deadlines heading into New York. You know, when yeah. you've got a show to do, do do things kind of tend to get a little bit more compacted because you're trying to get all your all your stuff done ahead of time? Uh, a little bit. Um... I, I knew for a fact, and that, that's just kind of the way we uh, laid everything out. Mm-hmm. Was um, 
uh, between Joe Illich and myself is that we needed to have issue four, uh, or well, all, all the whole series needed to be drawn before New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I technically, I was supposed to have issue five completely drawn by tomorrow, but I beat that deadline by like a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, which gave me time to like, you know, do that issue two cover, which we had had issue two's cover done, but we, we decided we could do better. And that's why I did a new one. And then, uh, uh, and we can get into that in a second, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, then I so, you know, and I'm also going to Cincinnati this weekend. I needed to have issue three colored by then, and then issue four needs to be colored before we go to New York because after we get back from New York, I have to color issue five. And not only that, I have a six-page story for Heavy Metal that I need to pencil, ink, and color by November fourth. Mm. which I have not even started yet. So, uh, yeah, things, things kind of get compacted and kind of slowed down around kind of big shows, but uh, got to make it work. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we are, we're coming up, uh, obviously, October is kind of that, that venerated month-long uh, celebration challenge, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, uh, inking, uh, inktober. October, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, is that something that you've participated in in the past? And, and you know, do you, what is your kind of – I've asked this to the last couple of artists that I've had in our show, but what's your best sort of uh, advice, pro tip, whatever you want to call it, for, for someone who's who's kind of just starting out learning to ink? Oh, oh okay. Um, see, I'm a weird inker um, because I don't specifically use, like – uh, just a brush or just a pen. I use a lot of different stuff that I can use to make a black or a white, uh, especially washes. And um, yeah, like I, I tend to, well, that's the thing. Not, not a lot of people are inking traditionally these days. True. Um, which uh, is too bad. I do have a Cintiq and I, I usually use it to color and for digital corrections when I uh, have to on my inks. But um I, I do like the feel of real ink and uh, letting it kind of organically move and being able to make mistakes with it uh, that I can't really replicate digitally. Uh, so I always recommend just learning to actually ink because also what if, you know, my Cintiq or whatever, my computer goes down, uh, how am I going to get pages done then? Well, I, I know how to draw by hand, so it's fine. Uh, um, uh, I don't usually do Inktober, usually because I'm busy uh, during that time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like when I do like commissions or you know pages, I'll you know do the hashtag Inktober. Um, but for the most part, I don't follow like a structure for Inktober. Mm-hmm. I've got too much work to do to worry about Inktober this year. So hey, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, James, you mentioned, uh, in addition to Dead Legends, you also have your, your, uh, webtoon series, uh, Metaphorical Her, uh, which is still going up weekly. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Metaphorical is just punk rock and poetry, um, which is really strange for a comic, but, uh, the, the, the general idea is, is taking like, uh, metaphors and putting them into visual form, you know? So if like somebody's got a pounding headache, like 
somebody will come in and smash their head with a, a hammer or something like that. You know, so imagine I said something more creative and interesting, but, um, I, I, I found the challenge with that story to tell a slice of life story in a way that like, I would be able to do it and have it both keep the reader interested and myself interested. And, uh, Dave Stoll is the artist on that one. And Ray Nadine is doing the colors and Justin Birch is lettering, and it's it's been. I think we're getting close to episode forty, and we're going to go to forty two. So the the end is coming up pretty pretty soon. Um, but it's it's definitely been a lot of fun to put it out there, and with Webtoon uh, being this like vertical format, it's been interesting to kind of write for. Uh, a, a format that is basically like a page reveal with every scroll, you know? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, now you're out, uh, James, you're out in uh, West Virginia. Uh, you know, yep. what, what is, is there, you know, is there a comic, you know, what's the comic scene like near you? You know, how far do you have to go to your you know local shop and everything? Well, the Inner Geek, uh, actually in Huntington, there's the Inner Geek, Purple Earth, and Comic World. And they're all within like a four block radius of one another. Um, wow. So, yeah, there's there's definitely a, a comics community here. Um, I actually, as of last year, was running a one-day show in Huntington called Tricon. And we just uh, sold that to the to the people that put on the Lexington, Lexington comic convention. Um, so we, we also have like Bo Smith, who is the creator of Winona Earp and does those comics for IDW mm-hmm. lives in the area. Uh, the McElroy's live here. Um, yeah. so like we, we've got a very creative crew in Huntington. That's yeah. awesome. Um, how did you like running your own show? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love when they laugh Sorry. before I answer. <laughs> yeah, the, always a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> nah, okay, so when uh, Eric Watkins and I started this show back in 2012, I want to say, um, and maybe 2011, and the idea was to do a one-day show because I, I don't know. For me, it was to do a one-day show and bring the comics industry to like my home turf, you know? Uh, Cause I was basically like looking to get into the business, trying to write and make connections and set up a network. And I would go to cons and I would go to the bars and this was before I was a professional drinker. Um, and I would just kind of like sit around and be shy and bashful. And uh, so we did the con and we started bringing in comic creators and we had a lot of fun and I would go to shows after Tricon and the people that we would bring in would be out there and they would introduce you to other people. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun networking. And then eight years later we were still having like a good show and, but it was, it it had become just a reason to have a bunch of my comic creator friends come to my house and, you know, stay and then go to the show, have a good time and come back and, and have a party. Um, so I didn't, I don't know. I just, I, I was kind of done. I, I had a lot of writing that I needed to get done right around that time. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of put off a lot of that so that I can do the show. And then 
you know, had to, had to bust my butt to get certain deadlines met. Um, so it, it, it was just, it had run its course for me. Um, but like I said, I'm really happy that Jared and Jamie, uh, took it over so that it's, it's, it's still going to be, we're still going to have a con, you know, we're still going to have like that reason to get everybody together once a year in June. Yeah. Um, it's just not going to be all on, you know, our shoulders. <laughs> That's good. What are you guys reading now? Criminal. All day. Uh, not all day. Um, see, oh, I've got a stack of shit that I haven't read. It's just piling up. Um, that, that's what happens. You start making comics. I literally, jeez, I just went over to my pile of comics that I got last week, and there's a bag of comics that I bought last week that I had to dug into. Um, yeah. I've got Sea of Stars, Amazing Spider-Man, Baby T, New Batman, Daredevil, uh, the Superman up in the sky, Batman universe. But like Criminals, my all-time favorite book. Like, I like I like Brew Baker and Phillips. Whatever they touch, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm reading uh, Middle West right now. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, I've been reading Tess and. Um, I've been honestly reading a lot of uh, books that friends are coming out with that are sending me advanced, <laughs> advanced. Yeah. So like I've I've read uh, Triage that's coming out from Phil Seavey from uh, Dark Horse. Um, yeah, I've I've just been kind of like on the run reading stuff, and then because like I said, I'm getting more and more interested into what's going on with the big two. I just recently picked up the the newest uh, arc of Nightwing, um, and I've been I went ahead and got the Comicsology Unlimited, uh, so I've been going back and reading like some some mini series on there, and uh, been reading a lot of webtoon because like in the middle of the night when you're feeding a kid, like what else are you gonna do but right. scroll through comics? Yeah, so. Like, if you're looking for webtoons to read, I got you all day. Definitely check out uh, Lavender Jack. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Messengers is really good. So basically, just throw throw something in front of me, and I'll read it. But it has to be, like, right then, you know? <laughs> good answer. Yeah. Ah, webtoon. Great for scrolling when you got a baby in your other arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh so, Gavin, uh, you mentioned this at the top of the show, uh, your one dog, Wally, but there is, there is another. Uh, tell, me, okay. tell me about your dogs. Oh, man. So, I, I'm a corgi guy. Uh, so, Wally is, uh, let's see, the best way to describe Wally, Wally was my dog. Uh, he's, uh, I still call him my dog, but um, he lives with my mom now. Uh, he used to be mine. Um, before I got into this business, um, because I was, uh, applying to go to the Cubert school and, uh, he was with me when I built my whole portfolio and everything. And I lived in small town, Kokomo, Indiana. Um, and, uh, I could, when I moved out to go to Cubert, I couldn't take him with me. So I gave him to my mom. 
and I get to babysit him now every once in a while. He's great. Uh, Coco uh, is, was also my mom's, and uh, when we got Coco, um, she was uh, she's a fucking brat, is what. <laughs> um, but we were. Uh, uh, my grandparents were very uh, sick, um, and uh, my mom had both Wally and Coco, but she couldn't manage both of them at the same time because Coco's a diva. Um, <laughs> and uh, so my mom was like, "Would you want to take one of the dogs?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, get Wally back!" <laughs> 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 she shows up with Coco. Like there, there was like one weekend where we watched both dogs, and then she's like, she's like asked my wife and I uh, if we wanted Coco. My, she was just a lowly girlfriend at the time, but uh, you know, she asked us if we wanted Coco, and we said, uh, yeah, we, we'd take her, and then it was literally that quick. She was just like, okay, well, I'm going to leave her here with you. You've got Coco now. We're like, cool. We, we have a dog, um, and Coco's really funny. Uh, um, very uh, high maintenance, but that's all right. Um, yeah, I, I usually uh, like posting on like Instagram or uh, um, like Twitter, like photos of her just being upside down because that's <laughs> like what, how she spends most of her days. Um, she likes to bite the side of my door whenever it opens. Um, what else does she do? Oh, she's barking right now. Is that... <laughs> She knows you're talking about her. She does. She's smart. <laughs> she's mad smart. Um, like, she's, like, you know, figured out what it means when, like, I pick up my keys and all that nonsense. Uh, like, whenever I have to take my wife to work, they'll, like, she recognizes, like, oh, all right, are you ready? And then she'll start barking. I'm surprised she didn't start barking right then. But, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so- guy, through and through. Uh, I have two miniature dachshunds, and uh, oh, nice. the 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 younger one, uh, her name is Lola, but we call her Derp because yeah. her her kind of big habit, and one that I've kind of photographed extensively for social media, is like when she's lying down. Sometimes her her tongue, she's got a little bit of an overbite, and it's like mm. just enough space for her tongue to just sort of flap out of her mouth, like yeah. just at rest. And nice. so, yeah, they, if you go through my Twitter, which you certainly have better things to do with your life, but there's, you know, there's, there's just like an endless number of photos of her just like with, with her tongue, just kind of various lengths uh, yeah. outside of her mouth. <laughs> oh, don't, don't uh, underestimate my time for checking out dogs. Cause uh, <laughs> I'm all about that life. So, so I'm curious, and this is sort of one of my standard questions when anyone mentions that they were at any point at Kubert. Um, yep. Did you ever head into Madison and Madison, New Jersey, which is a few towns over, yeah. and go to Ju- Dewey's? Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it, I did a signing there for Free Comic Book Day, and now Anthony Marquez owns it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, when did you do Free Comic Book Day at Dewey's? 2010, 2011? Yeah, I was working the counter that day. Okay. I worked Dewey's for 15 years. Yeah, like, uh, I think me, Nick Justice, and uh, Anthony did it that day. 
maybe Fernando Ruiz. Oh, Fernando, maybe. definitely Fernando. He's he's yeah. never missed a comic book day at Dewey's in all those years. Maybe Fabio, but yeah, yeah, Anthony Anthony was in my class at Hubert School. Ah, so I was that, yeah, I graduated in 2011. And uh, yeah, big news! Anthony just bought the school. Oh yeah, we. It's, I, it's insane. Yeah, I, I want to talk yeah, to him about I mean, it when I when I'm at New York. But I mean, th- first of all, Anthony is a, is a great dude. But awesome it's guy. just it's yeah. just amazing. You know, he just bought Dewey's. Like, oh god, Matt, what was it like two years ago? Two years ago, Dan Dan store when I was I left. I stopped working at Dewey's in twenty mid twenty late 2015 and so he would have sold the store a year and a half after that so end of 2017 so yeah anthony's had the store for about two years yeah Yeah. and and yeah now homie owns a school like that is that's amazing (laughs) that's that's wild i mean like i'm not terribly surprised but um like i mean if anyone's gonna get it uh (laughs) i expect i expected him so I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely surprising news, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah. We've had Anthony on the show. He he and I, you know, I, I as I said, I worked at Dewey's for a very long. I was a Drew student, so I was okay. Worked at Dewey's. I started working at Dewey's in uh, February of two thousand, and finally, Dan finally got rid of me at the end of twenty fifteen. So okay. Nice. Well, I mean, he didn't get rid of you so much as you just, you know, you'd moved. <laughs> you, yeah, you know, the trip from Philadelphia to Madison on a weekly basis was a bit of a bear. Yeah, um, I believe it. But but I still go up there for free comic book day and stop by on a semi-regular basis because it. I, I might have to get comics at another shop now, but Dewey's will always be the comic shop of my heart. Right, right. It's a good story. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't been back to Jersey in a while. Um uh, it's it's and obviously it's funny timing because I uh, believe uh, after New York Comic Con, James and I are going down to the Kubert School to talk. Um, ah, nice, which, which is interesting timing. And now Anthony owns <laughs> the school now. <laughs> wild, just wild. Oh yeah, I saw it and I was like, oh, you you couldn't have given us that scoop, really? Nah, <laughs> I, I think he was playing. Pretty close to the chest. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, I, I, I mean, if he wasn't playing it close to the chest, I'm sure the Cuberts were playing it very close. Oh, to the chest, so. Absolutely, it's not going to yeah. stop me from giving him a hard time about it, though. Oh, sure, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah. Shout out to Anthony. Uh, but uh, guys, as we are as we're wrapping up, uh, how can people follow you online if you, in fact, wish to be followed? <laughs> James, go for it. <laughs> Uh, I'm on all social stuffs as James C. Maddox because James Maddox is a country star, apparently. Yeah. And I am on Twitter and Instagram as Gavin P. Smith because uh, there was a poker player and a dead Hollywood executive now. And uh, yeah. So that were called Gavin Smith. So Gavin P. Smith for Patrick. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for doing the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is fun. Yeah, thank you. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. 
You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. Big thanks to our patrons, uh, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust and the M&T, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones podcast, Robert Secundus from Hoxpox Talks, and Scott Madrinsky from MojosWork.com. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, and we'll see you next time. WMQA!